Welcome back, folks, to The Mel Wright Show. This is episode 254. It's going to be an internal discussion between me and my great co-host, Robert Newman. Um, basically, I'm going to be interviewed by Robert, and you're going to find out more about me, shock and horror, about why I started Mel Wright, what it offers, and also some more info about my background. I can't say I'm totally looking forward to it, but it's got to be done. Robert's put me in a corner the swine but there we go uh robert would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the new listeners and viewers we've had a quite a few new people join listening to the show recently robert which is great news isn't it yes very much so um so uh my name is robert newman i am a 13-year veteran of the real estate marketing uh industry i'm a, a lifetime veteran of sales and marketing in general and uh, I've been publishing a re- website called inboundrem.com, which is intended to talk to fill the void for somebody who actually has a lot of experience and talk and teach you, the people that are listening to the show, about digital marketing, not just marketing, not real estate marketing, but digital marketing specifically. That's great. And I'm the founder of MailRiot. It's a inclusive platform that has a, a really easy to use CRM. But the main thing is we get you quality leads. And how we do that is utilizing the power of Facebook. We run, we produce and run Facebook campaigns for you. We generate leads that go into our CRM. You are text with those leads and then you can contact them and then you can turn them into actual customers. That sounds fantastic. And it is. Want to find out more about MailRight? Go to the MailRight website. You can book a free consultation with me. We can discuss if MailRight is the right platform for you. And please do take advantage of that. I'm always happy to talk to agents. So over to you, Robert, over to the interrogation. So there's going to be a little bit of history here, John. I'm going to do a preamble. I'm going to do a warm-up. So for everybody who's listening to the show, this is about my hundredth or so episode that I've been doing with John. And I'd never done a podcast before. Um, Actually, an old partner of John that used to do the podcast with him found me on a real estate blogging site called Active Rain. And I was asked to be a guest on the show. And that was my first exposure. That's the first time I ever met John. Um, And this would be about two years ago, maybe, maybe a little bit more even. And... uh, Over the years that I've been doing the podcast, I've developed a deep respect for John's diligence and his pursuit of what is actually quite complicated, um, which is building a piece of technology within the real estate space. Um, So we've learned a lot from each other. I've learned a lot from John. And that led me to say that I wanted to talk a little bit more about John's history and background because it doesn't get discussed a lot on the show and the audience is growing. And I'm having a lot of you who are reaching out to me because I already have a very large platform that gets a lot of real estate exposure um, talking to me about the show. And I realized that constantly people are referencing my co-host as this English guy that I, that I talk to on the show, which is a little unfair because John has, he may not have started in the real estate industry as I did, but he absolutely has made his home there. And uh, he's, he's... Well, I do think I understand the fund. I'm a bit like you. You haven't been an active real estate agent, and I haven't. And we both make that totally clear. 
But I think, hopefully you would agree with this, I know that you understand the industry from top to bottom. And I think now with your help and with doing the podcast, I have a pretty good understanding of the industry from top to bottom. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I would agree with that. And um, so to fishtailing off that, John, um, here's what the audience may not know. So John, I reference it and John references it often. This is not actually his first technology venture. He has another one in place, which is called WP Tonic. And WP Tonic is very different. It's a very different business. He has a business that is focused on learning management systems and WordPress, and he builds websites for people doing education, which that business has actually been real hot lately from what John has been telling me, because as we all were forced to go and and work from home and change our habits, of course, many, many, many people are going, gee, maybe now is the time that I put XYZ course online and try to sell my expertise digitally. And John is really, really good at that. The WP Tonic Show has a huge audience. Well, I would say huge, but it's got about double the um, the MailRite audience. But I've got to say, the MailRite audience has been consistently going up over the past few months. Um, excellent. Well, let me market you, man. Huge. It's huge. As far as I'm concerned, if it's double our show, it's huge because it's twice as big. So as far as I'm going to say huge, I'm going to stick with that. Yeah, well, doing, I've been, been doing it for six years, though. Like Tom Ferry yet. But we're getting there. We'll get there. I'm absolutely- oh, we, we regularly outperform Tom Ferry. Um, excellent. Don't, so- don't you realize that? We, we, um, we get twice the audience that, than he does. I did not realize that. That's no. that. That makes me unbelievably happy. All right. So having said that, that's a huge windup. So for all of those folks that are listening, who is this John guy? Who is this English guy that I do this show with? Who, who, what's, his, what's his history? What's his background? So John, uh, let's talk a, a moment about how did you get into being a, uh, like a web-based entrepreneur in the first place? Like, like the, it doesn't matter whether it's WP Tonic or MailRite. Like how did you get yeah. into that? Well, basically, um, I wanted, I got into retailing in the UK and I started my first business and I run it for almost over 20 years. And I started it when I was 23. Um, My father was a guarantor of a commercial loan, which I didn't appreciate the risk he was taking. Um, I was only 23. I, I was still living at home. Um, I think the other thing you've got to understand is that I, I have dyslexia mm-hmm. and I'm reasonably open about that. Um, I've got moderate to severe dyslexia and um, I, I've, I'm a reasonably bright guy. I think you would agree with that. I know you're a bright guy, Robert, and most of my friends are pretty bright people. They're doers. And that's what I like about the real estate industry. There's a lot of doers in it. Um, um, but I didn't do fantastic at school because the condition, and to some extent, to some extent, it's still not fully understood even now. But the situation in American Britain is a, a lot better than when I was 
at school in the 60s and 70s, right? Right. So I left school with no qualification at all. And I don't think it actually matters, really, uh, unless you're going to become a physicist or a doctor or some a lawyer, um, a real high-level professional. But it did bother me because um, it was a bit of a chip on my shoulder. Um, So I I started my first retail business um, and I grew that. It was actually in dry cleaning and I I grew that to where I had uh, a workforce of full-time and part-time people of about 50 people. And we had a, a, a turnover of about, I'm going to roughly put this into dollars, of about $6 million. Okay. Right? And the profit margin, it, it changed. But there was a period where the profit, the gross profit was about 40%. So um, I'm just giving you, dry cleaning at a certain time was highly profitable. Sure. It's been that it was actually one of the most profitable businesses that I a lot of hard work though. Um, and also being it's in retail, you do learn about customer care and being consistent about quality and service. Sure. Because you soon learn about how to implement systems. That doesn't mean that you're every week you're dealing with very unhappy people which still happened occasionally, but for the amount of um, clientele that we were dealing with on a weekly to monthly basis was quite minor, really, in less than 1%. Okay. But you've got to have systems, and if you don't have systems, you soon get overwhelmed. But then um, I married an American lady. Um, She was living in London she come over and she was working for a US bank and we met and I married her. And um, I was thinking of selling the business anyway because I was a little bit burnt out. And also I could see that on a couple of my best um, retail units that the landlords were going to really increase the rents to ridiculous figures. I could see it on the writing that they were planning to do that. And you can, the thing is, you can only sell a business when it's profitable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When it becomes less profitable, it's much harder to to sell. So uh, I could see the, not that we were going to lose clientele, but my um, cost base was going to get much higher and the the gross profitability of the business was going to be drastically reduced. And it was either I was going to have to expand the business, which I really didn't want to do, or find some way of reducing costs. And I kept my costs under pretty tight control. So I could see, I wouldn't say I could see the writing on the wall, but I could see that the profitability of the business was going to be affected. Right. So my wife wanted to move back to America, and I agreed to it, not solely because she wanted to, but also I could see that it might be the best time to sell the business. Sure. Um, That 
selling a business is almost as bad as trying to build a business, listeners and viewers. It took almost 18 months to sell the business. I, um, when you... When you're in a more profitable business, the actual it's a bit like being in the luxury, um, luxury um, real estate business. There's a lot less people that can actually buy a, a million, three million, four million dollar house. It's a bit like when you've got a business that's doing a, a fair bit of turnover. There's less people available to actually buy it. And you get a lot of tire kickers. And I didn't want to self-finance because I wanted to go to America. So in the end, I sold it to uh, a manager of mine who had a couple of family members who helped finance the purchase. And I had to discount my purchase price quite considerably to get a, a cash buyer, somebody who was prepared to buy it um, for cash where I didn't have to self-finance. Is that making sense, Robert? Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. So, so, you, so you found somebody uh, to buy it in cash. It was somebody that worked for the business. And now finally, after 18 months and a long, long journey, you were ready to move to the beautiful United States. With my wife. And in the meantime, um, I had gone to university as a mature student, full-time, but um, I, I was still running my business. And I had done that before I met my wife. And in Britain, the university course is only for three years, not four years. And I, I just wanted to go to university as a personal challenge and also deal with the way that I'd been treated as a child through my dyslexia, because I had been, I hadn't been like sexually assaulted or any of the other terrible things you hear that. Other Boy, you just, you just got dark real fast. That's dark stuff. But <laughs> I, I had been verbally abused by teachers. And on a couple of occasions, I've been hit by teachers just, just because I had dyslexia. Okay. Uh, Fun. I said, okay, that's terrible, but okay. So, but compared to other people's stories, um, you've got to keep it in perspective. But I did have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder about it, which is understandable, isn't it, Robert? Yeah, no, very even, much so. Even though I had been in financial terms a lot more successful than a lot of people. Um, so I decided to go to university and I was interested in the web. Okay. We're talking about 96, 1996, 1997. I got my first, I had computers for a while. 23 years ago, for those of you who are counting, like me. Yeah. And um, the internet had just been introduced to Britain. You had a very slow modem, very slow computers. And this course was the only... It was the second only course in Britain, but it was the university was about a mile away from my main business, walking distance. And um, it was the only second course in the London area that dealt with what was called multimedia. At that time, it was called multimedia. The burning of CD-ROMs, building... Building courses 
or training on CD-ROMs or on now the new web. And I was fascinated by it and always been interested in technology. So I thought, why not do the course? And at that time in Britain, you, you could do a course totally free. Right. There was no charge. <laughs> okay. All right. Which has changed a bit. It's still a lot cheaper to go to university in Britain than America, folks, even now. But they, they are charging around uh, around $15,000 per year now to go to university. Um, so it's, it's got, it's got, which is a lot more than free. Um, so um, I think we're close to our break, actually. So we're going to go for a break and <laughs> you're going to hear more about me. Already. You probably heard too much already. But we'll be back soon with more about my background, folks. You want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRite. It is a powerful but easy-to-use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no-question-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. We're coming back. You've been hearing about a long-winded journey, but there we go. Um, so I did this university degree in in three years at the same time. And um, really, the internet, nobody knew what they were really doing. And certainly my um, instructors at the university had no clue what they were doing. Um, but I got into Flash. Now, Flash was a technology made by a company called Macromedia. And they also did a tool called Director, and also they had a web building tool called Dreamweaver. And they were all very, very popular, and they were in direct competition to Adobe. And Director you used to publish CD-ROMs, and Dreamweaver used to utilize that to build websites and they had a couple of other products as well but they were in direct competition to adobe and they had this product called flash which you could use to make games intros to websites you used to have this intro and the rest of the website used to be loaded in the background this is this is all in the distant past now where we're looking at 5G and video on demand, well, the, most of the internet was really dog slow when I got involved in it. And I became a Flash developer and I did some freelance work after my, my degree um, just as a kind of – I didn't actually have to actually do it for the financial reason, but I wanted to keep my hand in it because it seemed a bit of a waste of time on doing a degree and not keeping your skills up to date. And then um, basically the iPhone kind of killed off Flash because when the iPhone iPhone was introduced, um, you couldn't play Flash on it. Um, Steve Jobs had a, a consistent history with Adobe and he had a hatred, a personal hatred of <laughs> Adobe. 
and you couldn't run Flash on the iPhone. So it died a bit of a depth. But at the same time, we sold the business and I moved to America and I became, um, I took a year off and then I became um, a a kind of freelance web developer for some agencies. That's how I first started doing some work in America, Robert. Okay. So you get to America and you're doing some freelance work. Now that's, that takes us probably, what, to the early 2000s? I moved to America in a fantastic time to move, Robert. I moved, I moved to America um, about the middle of 2006. Okay. And so I took a year now. off. And guess then, um, I, I have moved, but I moved with a fair whack of money, not as much as I had hoped for, because like I say, I, to get a cash buyer, I had... Discount, I had to discount, I had to change how much I was prepared to take for my business, right? I had to be a little bit more realistic about the price. Sure. And yep. I moved. But I had a substantial amount of money, but also we were facing the worst recession in American history, weren't we? Right. So you're, the, you're here, the real estate market collapses, and uh, you've and got I thought, What here. had my wife persuaded me to walk into? And and you've got this skill set in web, so so I'm sure that you did some more free, free, freelance work. But but actually, let's visit on that for a second. So so you're here. It's 2006, 2007. And you're making like when you do decide to work again, you're you're working in freelance like flash development, right? That had died because of the iPhone. I had moved on to general website development, and around around. 212. Um, I'd taken a year off, so 208, and then I was just kind of using Dreamweaver and hand coding sites. And then around 212, I was introduced. I thought there must be a better way than this. Um, there were some platforms like Joomla and Joomla. And there were some others. And then somebody said, why don't you look at this thing called WordPress? <laughs> um, it's, it, and I said, well, that's just a blogging platform. Oh, no, no, it's maturing out. So I, started, I was introduced to WordPress around 2012. And I was getting some web work, but um, you've got to understand, but I was having to live off my savings as well quite a bit because um, I was just working for local agencies and the recession in Reno, before the recession, Reno and northern Nevada had, a bit like Florida, was the epicenter of the building boom in North America. There was an army of contractors here building houses everywhere. And funny enough, in a six-month period, they all lost their jobs, and there was whole areas half built, Robert, whole const- whole um, areas half built, and they were just left like that way for five years, Robert. Okay, so we're here, you're here. You're now in Reno. You're doing some some web development work. You're living off your savings because you have to supplement your income. When does WP Tonic come into the picture? 
Well, I started that I started that around 2014, 2015. Unfortunately, like a lot of people, because of the because the stresses of the recession and other factors, um, unfortunately my marriage broke up and that cost me a hell of a lot of money. And I was still um I still had a bit left um in savings. But I was still having to subsidise because I just wasn't getting enough web work locally. And I thought, you know, um, Einstein said once that the the real sign of madness is doing the same thing and thinking you're going to get a different result. Right. Um, and um, I'm very strong. I'm very strong-willed. But um, it became obvious to me that trying to get local work in Reno wasn't going to pan out for me, even if the situation, because the recession had been terrible in Northern Nevada. So I decided, and then I did a, a, I did a job which was around um, building a membership site and using a learning management system. And it was a really fantastic project. Somehow the client had been recommended to me. They were based in New York though and um it we were using zoom we were using skype at the time to communicate and google handouts but the project still went really well and i thought to myself why don't instead of trying to get local clients why don't you just go into a pacific vertical and try and get clients in that area and that's how i changed the whole emphasis of the business around learning management system. And that was around 2014, 2015. Okay. So for those of you who are listening, um, I personally follow the WP Tonic podcast. It's fun. Uh, Oftentimes uh, they wrangle two or three guests simultaneously. So some of their Zoom calls, podcasts are actually three, four. Well, we have two shows. We have a guest show. Where we have in which, and then because I do two, um, really, and then we have the round table show. And so I'm doing three podcasts, which really is one too many. Um, but I really, really enjoy the round table show. And that's when we get myself and I get a panel of WordPress junkies, as I call them. And it's just a round table discussion of the latest WordPress stories and internet stories and really I just do it um because I enjoy doing it where the interview show and the mailwright show is more business focused the reason why I do it Robert okay so for those that don't know and and you know it's we always talk about marketing on the show and here's what my most valuable have I really gotten that many clients off doing the mailwright podcast with John no not really it's something when I first agreed to be a co-host on the show, I agreed to be the co-host because I was already driving business through SEO and inbound marketing, which I talk about incessantly. And I have a huge stream of business coming from that direction. So I wasn't really even looking at this as a way to do business. I did, however, find a shocking and amazing thing that the show has delivered to me. John, who does the outreach for the show, has managed to get a staggeringly large number of real heavy-duty movers and shakers 
inside the real estate marketing industry. Because the funny thing is, the second you start telling somebody, I have a podcast, it's kind of funny because they kind of take it the same way that they would take going on a TV show. And we, we had the CEO of IDX Broker on the other day. We had this chief marketing officer of Boom. And there's no way, by the way, for those people that even with my pedigree inside the real estate industry, would I, I would not be able to get those guys on the telephone if you gave me a million bucks. John got them on the show with a single email. So for those, and then once they're on the show, I've discovered that I've learned even more about the industry that I've called home for so long. And I have found the show to be an amazing repertoire of information for me. Like uh, we came across a guy by the name of Ricky Carruth, another find of Jonathan's, who is a, a coach that trains people. And now I follow him religiously on his social channels just because he has a very different approach. He's a good guy. He's making a lot of money in real estate and he's teaching a lot of other people how to do it. I didn't even know he existed before the podcast. And now I've got him and I've got, I've got all these people that I've met that are doing different things inside the real estate industry that I didn't even think of because I'm an inbound marketer. And the podcast showed me all of that. So I feel like I'm a much deeper resource inside mm -hmm. my own industry. And that, I, I guess what I'm saying here is, and I'm not trying to detract from John's story, but he uses podcasting to market his other business. And one of the things I've enjoyed about his WP Tonic Roundtable, the show that he just mentioned, is that if you want to learn something about WordPress from what he's calling one thing, I'm going to call them WordPress geeks. But you know, you use WordPress and you discover, hey, it, it has its complexities. But finding out how other people have addressed those complexities, like and and their solutions and how they use WordPress, it's kind of fun. Like if you're in technology, it's kind of fun. John obviously has a good time with it. I've had a good time listening to the show. So podcasting can bring a lot of value to you, both as a professional. And if, I'm, if I understood correctly, if I've always understood you correctly, the podcast, your WP Tonic podcast, actually does drive a lot of business for WP Tonic. Is that correct? Or was that just me making an assumption? It doesn't actually. I think it builds credos. I think it builds credos, and it builds, um, it builds you build relationships that have been very very useful for me. Right, but the problem is I've not been as focused as Mel. Right, um, we're going to have to wrap up the podcast part of the show. Hopefully, Robert's got 15 minutes left so we can continue the discussion. And I'm going to tell you about why I started MailRite. And um, and it's a bit of a long, but we're going to keep it to 15 minutes of bonus. 10, 10, 10 John, 10. I've got 10. 10 you've got 10 minutes. Um, so join us for the bonus content, which you'll be able to see on the MailRite YouTube channel or on the MailRite website. We'll be back next week. We've got a fabulous guest next week. So, uh, well, no, actually, we haven't. We've got an internal show next week, but we're, we're going to be talking about video equipment, what you need if you want to do better video than using your iPhone. And I'll be delving into the subject in great detail. So hopefully it's going to be more interesting than my background. We'll see you soon, folks. Mm -hmm.